clubs like us just wouldn't survive without people like this. These people are diamonds. God forbid it all. If the man above wanted to take me, I'd sooner him take me when I'd be in the gym. I really And I really mean that when I'd be down in that gym with a scoop and rope in my hand or down a bag or then doing a bit of sparring with the boys. If I was going to go, that's where I want to go. <laughs> that's the price you have to pay. If you want something, you've got to pay for it. And if it's, if it's not money, it's got to be in blood. That's what I paid for. I paid for everything in blood. Anything that I have now, I paid for. I paid for in blood. It's something combined with your mind and your strength. You can't just go out there and depend on your strength because it's a mind game. So once you go in there, you have to focus and relax. Once you are not relaxed, you know, you are out of it. John McCormack. I'm a typical dub, I think. And I look after a boxing club called St. Saviour's Boxing Club down in Dorset Street. Most people would know in the boxing world, especially in Dublin. But we're also well known around Ireland because a lot of the country fellas, when they come up to Dublin for the All Ireland Championships, most of them would say to us, like, Can we come over to the club and do a bit of training? And we'd bring them over there and let our kids train wherever they come from Donegal, could be from Ennis in County Clare. Could be from, from Rafa and Donegal, could be from anywhere, could be from Belfast. They come from all parts for the All Ireland Championships here in Dublin. And naturally enough, some of them have to stay a week and they'd want some place to train. And we'd make it accessible for them because that's what the boxing club is for. And if I was in another part of the country, no matter what part of the country, I would always make my way down to the boxing club because they're very close in the community of the boxing club. I think there's something similar to the football. They all know each other. And it's a boxing, boxing world is a world on its own. Everyone seems to know someone that knows you. Everyone knows, you know, he'll shake hands with you and say, I know a guy that knows you or he knows a guy that boxed you. You'd know someone that boxed him, he'd know someone that boxed you. 
It's a very, very close in the community. The most important thing for children is if you're doing the corner with children, as most coaches will tell you, you can't tell them lies. You can't tell him lies in the corner. If he's losing, you tell him he's losing. If he's winning, you tell him he's winning. If he's not doing as good as he should, you tell him that. If he's not trying as hard as he should, you tell him. You have to be completely honest with him. Because down the line, if you're dishonest with him, he'll find you out and he loses confidence in you. So consequently, you cannot, you cannot be dishonest with a young fella in the ring. You've got to be as honest as you can. And he learns the honesty off you. And he speaks honestly to you because you speak honestly to him. When things is going wrong, you tell them they're going wrong. But we're, you say to him, things is not going right, but we're going to put them right. And hopefully we'll do it together. And then slowly but surely he'll confide in you. And he will place all his trust in you. And when things go wrong in the ring, the first thing he does when that bell goes, he runs back to the corner and he sits down hoping you're going to make things right in the corner. Sharky, you should be doing that. You should be doing that, Sharky. I will do it. <laughs> Thomas O'Hearn is my name. I'm secretary coach to St. Saviour's Olympic Boxing Academy. It used to be just St. Saviour's uh, Amateur Boxing Club. We changed the name a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm a founder member of the club. I boxed for the club, I've coached, uh, I've sold raffle tickets. I sweep the floor, the same as John and Pat does, uh, and Billy does. It's Everybody here just mucks in and, and contributes to the club, whether it's selling a few raffle tickets or what have you. It's, uh, it's important, it's, you know, the club is part of us. We've been here than that long, I suppose. But the ethos of the club was set by the men who founded this club, and the men who founded this club were absolute giants in voluntary work. The man that started the gymnasium with us was a man called Jem Mackin. He was bad now, Mackin, off the docks. He drove a forklift at the docks. He was a deep-sea docker. And um, he started the gym with me back in, you know, for, I'm saying... He was in the old orphanage across the road. I was never there. But then we went up to another club and we were there for a while. And then we got our own club in the fire station where we are now. And Jem Mackin was the father of the St. Saviour's Boxing Club. And he was only a small man, but he was, he was very big in stature. When I was coming to the end of my competitive career, uh, I still wanted to be involved. And he was taking me from the coach's wing into training me to be a coach instead of being a competitive boxer. And I asked him what the secret with the kids was, how he, got, how he managed the kids so well, how, you know. And he says, it's very simple. You can spoil the kids with sweets and ice cream, trips to the pictures, he says. You never spoil kids with time. 
You spend time with kids. You can spend hours with kids. Time won't spoil kids. It's the other things that spoil them. Most of them are just looking for that. To know that they're important, that they matter, he says, and it's amazing. It comes back to you. They can give it back to you. Jerry Hussey from Galway originally, but um, I came to college in Dublin, so I had boxed a little bit as a, as a youngster. So when I came to college, I wanted kind of another outlet from academic work. So I looked around and I'd heard a lot about St. Saviour's. Even when I was in Galway, everybody spoke about St. Saviour's as a great club. So my immediate thing on arrival in Dublin was find the club. So I remember I came down and it wasn't easy for, I guess, a farmer boy from Galway to walk in amongst you know, the heart of Dublin and and tell them you want to box and see if they take you seriously or not. Um, but f- from the first night, you know, I, I was amazed at just the standard of dedication that was here, both by the boxers and the coaches. You know, It was like everybody had the same plan, everybody had a script. And it's seldom you experience that, because when you have a group of people together, you always have kind of everybody working for their own effort, and the group effort kind of goes out the window. And despite people thinking bo- that boxing is uh, an individual sport, in St. Saviour's, you'll find that everybody's given time for somebody else. Um, and, you know, just then I was amazed when I came in. I thought I'd be the outsider because I was from Galway, and suddenly there was people here from Africa, there was people from Eastern Europe. Nobody cared really where you came from that wasn't asked if what religion you were didn't matter. And having grown up in an environment with stuff like that did matter, it was such, such a relief to be in a place where you were valued as a person regardless of you know, what you did or who you came from. Or... So I think that was my first impression of Sensei. It was just everybody was in it together, you know, to be the best that the club could be. My name's Darren Sutherland, and I'm 21 years old. And I box at 75 kilograms, which is middleweight, and I'm a member of St. Saviour's Boxing Gym. Well, I was training in England at the time um, with Brendan Ingle in Sheffield, and uh, he wanted me to compete in some of the Irish competitions. And he felt that St. Saviour's, he knows John McCormick and felt that they have such a strong uh, boxing tradition. And um, when Nassim Hamid was over here for for some of his contests, he used the, the gym to train in. So we felt that was the best place for me to go. Yeah, I've been here, I suppose, for, uh, four or five years. And I haven't been here full time because I finished my undergraduate degree and I went on to do master's. And that was time consuming. So at times I had to take a couple of months out. But... You know, as, when you leave for, for a couple of months, your first week you're thinking, oh, this is nice, I, I can relax. After about four days, you're thinking, God, what am I going to do now? Because it's not just your fitness that starts leaving, it's like you've left your best friends behind. So I used to find that I'd be coming from the library and I'd end up, even without knowing it, heading into St. Saviour's. And even if I didn't have my gear with me, I'd end up talking to someone or it just became, you know, they didn't, they're not just the people you box with, they're people you're friendly with, they're the people you ring when you go home, even though you spend the day in the gym with them. It's, you know, it's just a whole social network. So I think that's part of what keeps coming back. Plus, when you train with some of the lads who are of such high standard here, when you train with top-class athletes, even though you may not be one yourself, 
it's hard to go away and train somewhere else with people who don't take it seriously then. You know, and I think when you come to Saviours, you, you begin to realise what athleticism is, you know. So it's hard to find that anywhere else. I think the trainers, they're always... Pat, John, they've, they've always got a smile on their face and they're always in a good humour. They've always, they've always got time for everybody in the gym. There's never... If you have a problem, you want to talk to any of the trainers. It's not a problem. You never feel like, you know, if you've got something you want to talk about, it's hard to approach them. They're, they're just always smiling and make you feel welcomed. And I think that just that's the beginning of it, and that just goes right the way through the gym. You know, if there's any, if there's any, um, sometimes you know, only it's inspiring. It might be a little bit of ill feeling sometimes between the lads, like over. You know, it could be they're either new to the gym, they don't know the system or whatever. That's that's knocked straight on the head straight away. John will be straight up there and say, "Listen, lads, we're all friends here. We're all, you know, in it together, whatever." And 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 you know, tries to make. A joke out of everything and make everything fun and by doing that it just there's no tension in the gym at all and and it, everything just stems from that the trainers come in they're in a good humor they're happy they've got plenty of time for everybody and so everyone else feeds off that left foot in front daniel that left foot's got to be out in front danny you're square that's it the balance has to be right goodbye Goodbye, Jason. That's much better, Jason. Don't bang off the ropes, Abdul. It's illegal. Move your head, Abdul. Good. Goodbye, Michael. Very good, Michael. Very, very good. Yeah, there's a there's a great mix in the gym of of different nationalities, and I think that's changed, and it kind of represents. Dublin's change with the different, you know, cultures, nationalities, people coming into the country. And so the gym is representing that. We have and um, we have Abdul's from Africa and with some of the other lads from the Eastern European countries. I'm Irish, but I've been all over the place, so <laughs> I think I don't know where I'm from. Yeah, my name is Abdul Hussein. Originally from Ghana and I've been boxing in St. Xavier's Boxing Club for three years now. I've been living in Ireland for three years. Um, I'm 20 years old and I'll be 21 very soon. And then um, I box in middleweight, which is 12 stone. And um, I've, I've boxed around about um, 17 fights, lost about three. My name's Carl Brabson, 23 years old. I'm um, 69 kilos, which is welterweight. I've won the All Ireland National Intermediate Championships. They were on a couple of months ago, so that was the last one that I won anyway. Training is, is pretty hard, but like you have to do it, you know. It's two hours and after two hours you feel good. Like you're fit and all, you know. It's not that much three three times a week for two hours. And it's the training is hard, but like that's boxing is a hard game, you know. That, that's what it is. It's a hard sport, a hard game, and if you don't train, you don't win. That's all. If it was just down to boxing ability, I mean, I don't think I'd be here. You know, I'm not the world's greatest boxer. There's so much more to the club. You know, it's the friendship. It's it's the commitment. It's everybody here to be the best that they they can be, regardless of whether that's. Dublin champion, Leinster champion, Irish champion, European champion or world champion, everybody's valued. And even like 
you know, when I won my Leinster title, I remember coming in and those guys in the ring who were competing at Wall Standard had European titles. And they were, the, they were there giving me a round of applause as if, as if my title mattered. Well, it did to me, and it was it's a nice feeling to think that they acknowledged it too, that it was an achievement for me, even though it's very small for them, that even when an 11-year-old wins the most basic title, you know, he gets, you know, he gets the appreciation of everybody. So, you know, it's that whole kind of family that we're here together. My father was the famous Spike McCormick, who everyone knew. You know, everyone knew Spike. Anyone that's in the boxing, like, would be able to say, you know, if I said my name is McCormick, oh, would you be anything to Spike McCormick? Because everyone knew Spike. Spike was the middleweight champion of Ireland, amateur. And he was also the middleweight champion of Ireland, professional. So he was both, you know. And he was a Kerry man, incidentally, my father. He's from Listowel in County Kerry. And a very proud Kerry man. And um, naturally enough, he was of the assumption that we were going to be footballers. You know what I mean? Playing the Kerry team. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we didn't. We went into the boxing. <laughs> I don't think he was too disappointed either. You know what I mean? He loved... You know, once you're doing something, it'd be like all fathers, Liam. Once you're doing, once the youngster is doing something, he's out in the street playing football, he's out playing hurling, whatever he's doing. I love to see the kids play the sport of any kind, you know? I think that's ultimately the goal of all fathers. I used to go to sea and consequently like when I got let go off the ships I was here and I wasn't in work and there was no work here work was very bad here at that time in 1963 so I went over to join the British Army because my father said if you're going to join any army join the British Army because you get a trade over you know what I mean and I went over to join the British Army and I met a friend of my father's and he was a boxing manager and, he's, and he said to me, you can stay in my house for a few days until such a time as you go off, or you get a job or whatever you were going to do. So I got a job, and then I stayed in his house, and then one day he was going off to the boxing gymnasium. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going off to the gym. He said, I go to the gym with some fighters. Said, I have them. I'm a professional manager, and I look after these fighters. And I said, do you mind if I come down with you and see where you, how do you do it? And he went down to the gym, and the gym we went to was the, Thomas, the famous Thomas A. Beckett down the old Kent Road. So I went down with him the first night. And um, the second night, the, the, that was on a Monday night, I think it was. I think he was going down again on a Wednesday. And I said, can I come down with you again? And he said, yeah. I said, do you mind if I train? Oh, he said, I don't mind because you just pay in the gym and you train. And I went down and I started training. That was in 1963. And I stayed there till 1970, till I finished the box. But I turned professional in 63. And then I started off there in the Thomas Beck and I stayed there for seven years. And Danny Holland was Cooper's trainer. He used to look after the gymnasium with a fellow named Benny Jacobs. And I totally enjoyed it. I never enjoyed anything as much in all my life with the camaraderie in the gym and meeting all the fighters and meeting the famous fighters that came from overseas and all that. I spent seven years as a professional and I totally enjoyed it. And about 42, I had 42 professional fights. I won 34 and I was think I was stopped I was stopped twice on cuts 
And the other is I lost that points. But um, I won a British Light Heavyweight Championship in 1967. I had it for two years. And then I went off to box in Australia for the Empire title. And um, I boxed in a place called Rushquarters Bay, where Tommy Bourne's boxed Jack Johnson in 1908. I, you know, the first black man to fight for a world title. I boxed in that place in Rushquarters Bay in Sydney, Australia. I boxed there in 1968. I got beat now, but um, it was a good experience. You know, and then we came from there, we came home to America and they wanted me to go down to Albuquerque to box. And the fellow they wanted me to box down there hadn't boxed for two years. And they said, he's just making a return to the ring. I said, who is he? Is he any good? Oh no, he's not much good, but they didn't know his name. They knew his name, but they forgot it. When they told me his name, I said, What's, what was that fella's name that I was supposed to box in Albuquerque? I didn't go incidentally. And they said, his name is Bob Foster. And it turned out that he's one of the best light heavyweight champions of all time. The best knockout record of all time in the light heavyweight championships. And I just said to myself, jeez, if I went down and boxed him, I'd probably be still down in Albuquerque. Speaking Mexican or something like that through the side of my mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> I once boxed another guy called John McCormack and he came from Scotland and he was British middleweight champion professional and I boxed him in the Albert Hall in 1966 and after the fight I won the fight and after the fight I was in the dressing room in the Albert Hall and I was standing under the shower and he came in he opened the curtain of the shower and he said to me excuse me do you drink and I said no I don't drink he said would you nay have a drink with me he's Scotch like he's from Glasgow would you nay have a drink with me? And I said, yeah, I will. I'll have a drink with you just to be sociable. So he went off anyway. He came back later and I'm going to create a Guinness. Right? So I'm standing there looking at him and he started opening these bottles of Guinness. So he gives me the bottle of Guinness and I, I'm standing under the shower and I'm drinking the bottle of Guinness. And the, naturally enough, the water's, the bottle is, as I'm drinking, the bottle is filling up with water. So he said, I want to introduce you to my father. And he brings in his father whose name is John McCormick. So I said to him, how are you, Mr. McCormick? I said, your son is a good fighter. Now I'm still under the shower. And with that, um, I passed the bottle from one hand to the other hand to shake hands with his father. So with that, I put the bottle back in my right hand and I'm drinking it again. And with that, he said to me, oh, by the way, and this is my wife, Margaret. Oh, God, I said, and I'm trying to cover myself up and standing nude in the shower. And with that, I went, oh, I didn't know where to put the bottle and I couldn't shake hands with her. So with that, she said to me, look, when you've seen one John McCormick, you've seen them all. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you feel? <sighs> Back to normal. Thank God. Three big deep breaths. That's all you need. When you're in shape, of I'm Pat McCormick and I'm one of the team trainers of St. Savers. I'm the caretaker, the bookkeeper, and the looker after of the club. <laughs> I went to London in 65. I went over to work because I was getting married the following year, 66. 
So I teamed up with my brother. And he was a pro at the time. So I was amateur with the limb. And after a few years, I became an international for England. I represented London. And I had a little bit of talent. And I became a pro. So that was the start of my big career over there. People asked me, would I fight for London? I said, no problem, because I lived in London. Then people asked me, would I represent England? I said, no problem, because I lived in England. That's where I got me living. That's where I done me fighting. And that's who I owe me allegiance to at the time. So I represented London and I represented England. So I got no regrets, no regards. And it's all the one to me. So it's fighting, as far as I'm concerned. It was hard. It was a gladiator's life. You were disciplined. You were out in the out in out in the road in the morning, in work, in the gym at night. After the gym, you went home, had your dinner, and went to bed. This is every month, every year. Like, and a major bitter. You didn't like anybody. <laughs> you didn't have no fun at all. And like, you resented. You begrudged anybody else having it, you know? They were out there enjoying themselves and singing their songs and doing what they wanted. And you were there. You, you were confined to, your, <laughs> confined to your house, more or less. That's the price you have to pay. If you want something, you've got to pay for it. And if it's, if it's not money, it's got to be in blood. That's what I paid for. I paid for everything in blood. Anything that I have now, I paid for. I paid for it in blood. Come on, God! Last way! Last four! Charlie, come on! Three! Two! Oh, I was asked to go to Boston to fight this big gang, an Italian. And when I go over there, they looked at, they looked at me, and they said, "He's a little guy. He has no chance." This guy was about five feet eleven, five feet ten, five feet eleven. Oh, he was looking down, looking down. I was a dwarf. But I'm coming tonight to fight with St. Patrick's Night in Boston, seventy-four. And a big, big stadium. It's packed to see the little Irishman against the Italian. First bell went, and there was Russians. Jeez, there was more, there was more to there, and I was throwing, I threw everything at this guy. I lifted him out of it. I nodded him. I butted him. I done everything to him, and he was still standing there. I cuffed him. Oh, I would. The fight was going on, there was blood everywhere, it was all mine. And the referee said, Yes, this is a great fight. And I looked at the referee and said, Hey, don't we get a break in this fight? He said, No, he said, This is a great fight. This is too good he said, to be stopped. Continue on. We never got a break for the six rounds. And for the seventh round, I couldn't answer. I was bet. This guy just literally. He destroyed me, but I was, I was knackered. 
After the fight, see the guy, we're gonna have a beard and everything was good. The press asked him, how tough do you think McCormick was? He said he was tough, but he said he was dirty. He was the dirtiest little thing he said I've ever come across. When he told me that, he said, when he told me that, I said, that was, a, that was the cleanest fight I've ever fought. <laughs> My name is Billy, I'm a coach down at St Saviour's Boxing Club in Dorset Street and we cater for most of the youngsters around the immediate area but then again, some come from outside the city limits, you know, from the city centre that is, you know, from the likes of Stillorg and Castleknock, anywhere in them areas and that. But our mainstream really come from the inner city. When you're at that age group and you get to know them and all that, like, you, you start to become part of them. Like, you're still their coach, right? And, you, and they respect you as that. But you also respect them. And then you respect what goes along with it. If they have a problem outside the club and all that. Of course, yeah. That's what it's all about, you know. They help you and you help them. You famous. No? Remember Andy Warhol said, if you want to be famous for three minutes. 
That was in the 60s, Billy, before we were born. That's right, Johnny. You know I mean? It's a bit before they were Yeah, we were born in the 80s. You know I mean? we're, the eight, we're the 80s children. <laughs> they were all the flower power people. We're the psychedelics. That's right. San Francisco, long hair. Like, remember them? I do indeed. When I was a young fellow, we hadn't much. So he got involved in some kind of sports. I don't know if it be football or whatever, but I always liked the boxing I did. It was in me when I was a young fellow. It was there. It was just a thing that you had. But what happened was that when I reached a certain age, around the 17 mark, when you should be coming of uh, value to your club and things like that, you know, you have to put in so much into your next one. But then you have the offsets of it. The youth. Being a young lad, the uh, attractions from the females draw you away and other aspects of life. And that's a thing that I never forgot. And I had not continued. And that's why now I try to relate that to these young lads today. Because it's not now that they realise, it's only when it, they past their best. When that by the sell by date, then they go turn around and say to themselves, oh, I should have, and if only, and I could. They are words that I hate. I can't stand anyone that says that to me, no matter what. He should, he could, he didn't. And, and when I say it like that, I mean I'm talking about myself. And that I will never, ever forget that I should have instead of it. But being young. It's a fact of life that happens them all, and it has happened many, and it'll probably happen many more. Literally speaking, you're just there for self-preservation. Because as far as you're concerned, you're going to be killed. Like, uh, and all boxers think, Jason, I'm going to be battered here tonight, you know what I mean? I hope I don't get hurt. That's your main object, is not to get hurt. But the fear is there of getting knocked out or getting badly hurt. But it never materialises. So you start to enjoy your boxing. But every time you go in the ring, you still have the butterflies. Because you're still nerved. The nerves hit you. They're still in your belly. And when they're in your belly, you've got great chances. Straight away from the fourth bell. You're gonna let them know you're there from the fourth bell. Now keep it nice and straight. Everything's straight. Everything's just bump, bump. Make sure the judges see it. Bump, bump, bump. It's all nice and long and straight. That's it. And accurate. That's it. The hands are high. The hands are high when you come away, man. Hands are up there when you come away. Over the back foot. All right. Take the hands for all the time. Relax, deep breaths. 
Shake his hand. Shake his hand. Shake his hand. Shake his hand. That's it. After each round, you come back to us. Okay? You shake his hand after the fight. Hit the only only no one problem. and a half minutes long. Yeah. It's gone like that. Very, very quick. Right? So, hat. Jim, you've got to make a pay. This is what it's all about. Alright? It's one and a half minutes each round. It's no time and it's over. So, if you don't do it, there's no time. You have loads of time to rest when you get outside, right? Right, so put everything in. Right, especially from the start. And we've got to start nice and fast. First punch. First punch is gonna be yours. No, the first punch is gonna be yours. The first round, and then you're gonna take over. No, you would never ever even dream of turning into child away. A child can come to the club, stay in the club, doesn't matter what he has, he's always more than welcome to be part of the club. Because the money is immaterial. Once we have Malta Streets, we don't care where he is. Go, Graham. Thank you. 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 Right, and that was in the foreign aid. Nobody left. Right? That's how good you're, you're out being in against, right? You're out to being beaten, right? No, that's, that's a great, that's brilliant. That, what you did out there was brilliant. You went there over in the last round on us. Right, come here. Hold your head up, boy. You're out to doing a believe. We didn't want to tell you before you got in. Right? No, very well, well, well done. Well done. Well done, Brad. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up, boys. A big, big round of applause. That was good boxing. And the winner of that contest by the computer scoring you know, of 13.5, Joyce in the blue corner. And your appreciation please for Graham Keating from the St. Saviour's Olympic Boxing Academy. The greatest thing that we can do in the club is to watch and see them progressing. That's our ambition, is to see the progress of the children from the childhood up to manhood. We can look at them and say, that's what they were. That's what we made them. We made decent people. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't overwhelmed at all, boy. At all. I think he only, he had him worried a couple of times, didn't he? Really? Yeah, I thought you were gonna, yeah, in the fourth round, I thought he put him in a lot of trouble because yeah. he got close and he let a lot of shots go. Your man looked a bit worried. You rattled him, but you just couldn't sustain the, the pressure. I was going under me. Yeah. And when I went under him, he always, the woman says, oh, no, I'm stuck in her hat, which he was stuck under me, so. Well, that's all experience. He, he, he has all that from all his experiences. He He's had one, three, all around the title. You've only had two fights. So, it's it's cumber experience, you know. I told all the It's like going straight into the 24 in Darky. <laughs> Really? Yeah, so about tomorrow. Don't go back to the club. You gonna go home yeah. and rest now, Brian? Yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> Send us a ring, boys, please.
Rest and eat sweets. No sweets, Grant. Ladies and gentlemen, show your appreciation, please, for these two young gentlemen.